Thanks for tuning into this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can check us out on the web at hillsideassembly.org. You're about to hear a message from our current message series, and I hope you open your heart and mind to hear a word from God today. Well, good morning. Oh, that sounded so good. Can we do one more thing? Good morning. I'm so glad that you're here at Hillside today. My name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor here, and we are super excited for today's worship experience because God wants to talk with you today. He wants to challenge you, and he wants to engage in a time of worship and a time of discussion with your heart and your mind. We're going to have a great worship experience here today. Just a couple things that we want to touch base on. Uh, If you're a guest here, we would love to get you all the information about our church. We have a table in our foyer that's got some free gifts on it. After the worship experience, if you want to step out, one of our leaders would meet you at that table, try to answer any questions that you might have, give you your free gifts, and also give you an opportunity to sign up for our weekly email uh, as well. You can always also find out more about our church on our website, hillsideassembly.org. And it's great to have our online audience with us as well this week. Uh, We're excited for the things that God wants to do. Uh, We do giving here a little bit differently. Uh, We'll have an opportunity to give of our tithes and offerings at the end of service. You can give in the box in our foyer, or you can give online anytime at hillsideassembly.org. Now, we don't have a whole lot of announcements today, and I gave Jeb the week off for announcement duty because we've got an annual business meeting. Jeb will not be in the annual business meeting that I'm aware of. Um, so, uh, it's probably a good thing. Probably a good thing I gave him the week off. Uh, but we have, today's our annual business meeting. So service will be a little bit different. Uh, we're going to keep things moving right along and progressing. So I just want to cover a few quick things. Following the morning worship experience, we will take a 10 to 15 minute break. Uh, at that point, we would ask if you haven't signed the roster as a member to please sign the roster. We'll then call our, our meeting to order, uh, approximately 15 minutes after service is dismissed. Uh, We will have child care available downstairs. Jackie has put that together, so make sure to thank her for that. Um, We'll give more details and information uh, when it's that time uh, for the meeting, what you need to do. If you're you're a member and you are not able to be here uh, for the meeting today and you'd like an absentee ballot, uh, those are available. See me after the service. We'll make sure to get those for you. And next week is the best week of a Sunday of the year. I don't know if you knew that or not. Uh, But next Sunday is the Rippin' Firefighters Annual Barbecue. And so uh, I will be on the clock for how long I have to preach next week. Um, But it is is a phenomenal opportunity to support our community. Uh, And it is a great meal, a great time for fellowship. So if you would like tickets to that incredible event next Sunday, you can see Ron, our very own firefighter here in, the, in God's house today, is in the foyer, ready to sell you tickets with a smile on his face. So $11 uh, per ticket, and kids under 10 eat free? That's right. Well, my memory's on, on point so far today. Uh, so kids under 10 eat free. What a great opportunity to invest in our community. So you got that opportunity there. Let's get ready to go to prayer. We're going to jump right into worship today. In fact, let's start off. Let's stand to our feet for prayer this morning. Um, Obviously, this week has been very interesting on the world stage. There is a lot of interesting things happening, um, and some things that nobody could have ever predicted happening. And I want to just make a quick statement here. I realize that when we talk about countries and we get caught up a lot in politics and leaders of countries. But remember this, there are people and lives at stake just like you and me. 
And we have people right now that a week ago were, were sitting at home going to work, being a mom, who now are armed with rifles trying to protect their home. Uh, something that our generation has never had to deal with. But God is moving in the midst of this. Do you know this morning, while a lot of Ukrainian churches, the buildings weren't open uh, necessarily, but do you know there were services going on in the subways and out in farmhouses and people asking for God's help this morning? So I think it's just a great opportunity for us to pray for all the people involved in this conflict um, that God's hand would move and that people would make just decisions in these hours. So let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be able to trust you. Lord, sometimes in our life we can get so spun up and, and, and whipped around and we're disoriented. We don't know up from down, left from right sometimes. But Lord, your word still stands firm. It gives us a firm foundation to plant our feet and a course and direction for our minds to move towards. Lord, we pray this morning for the people of Ukraine and the people of Russia, both. Lord, there is a lot of heartache and not knowing what to do. But God, you love people. And Lord, I pray that just minds and hearts would rise. That, Lord, there would be a morality that would rise up in people's lives going, why in the world are we doing what we're doing? Lord, we've already seen signs of incredible miracles happening all over the place. God, your hands are already at work. God, would you bring about some solutions? Would you, would you change the hearts of leaders? Would you raise up new leaders, God, in these areas around the globe that need new leadership? a fresh perspective, and a just mindset. Lord, we pray that in these days ahead that many may come into the kingdom, that, Lord, you would spare lives left and right, and, Lord, the only thing that people would be able to say, it's only by God's hand that these things have happened, that there would be a testimony of how awesome you are through all of this. Lord, as we engage in a time of worship, let us not take it for granted that we have this opportunity this morning to gather together, to gather together, to lift up your name, to hear the word of God preached, and even a business meeting where we discuss the business of the church. Lord, what a tremendous opportunity it is, God, to be your representatives to this, this community and surrounding communities here in Wisconsin. Lord, love you. We want to spend time with you. So, Lord, we surrender our hearts, our minds to you to engage in worship. And God's people said, Hey, let's worship. Let's get after the heart of God today. Mike, would you lead us? Isaiah 40, verse 8 says, The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. And Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 35, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. This morning, we'd like to sing Standing on the Promises of God. Standing on the promises of Christ thy King, through eternal ages, let His praises ring. Glory. 
this morning we'd like to sing this is amazing grace and today we're going to reflect on god's amazing grace for hillside assembly amen
you've done for me. Here we go. Who brings? Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan a son and daughter? The King of Glory, the King of Glory, who rules the nations with truth and justice, shines like the sun in all of its brilliance. The King of Glory, the King above all Might, uh, might be thinking, I've never been in a church service where anything like that quite happened before. Um, there are gifts given to the body. One of those is uh, a, a word of exhortation to the church body, which we experience today. Uh, and that lines up with what I'm preaching on today. And the person that gave that has no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, so I look at that as confirmation, Amen. right? We're going in the right direction yeah, today. Lord. And so that's, that's what that is. Uh, if it was something that took us in an opposite direction, there might be some second thoughts of what's happening. But I want to tell you that this has been orderly, and it's been of God, uh, and He's wanting to speak with us today. Isn't that a good thing, Amen. that God wants to do that? Let's pray this morning uh, before we transition. Lord, we thank you today. 
God, for your amazing word that can speak to our hearts and to our lives. Lord, we want to be transformed and changed, and, and not by our own mind, but by your mind, the mind of God. And our only way to begin to glimpse that is to have the word as the foundation in our life. It's through the, the, the reading and the application of your word that the Holy Spirit then is able to do a job inside of us to bring about transformation and conviction. Lord, today you're wanting to speak to our hearts. Lord, may we allow you to do so. Lord, we give you praise, glory, and honor. And God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. Well, hey, at this time, we are going to dismiss our kids to Kids Church. Uh, So if you are here and you are ready for Kids Church, Miss Jackie is in the back of our sanctuary. She would love uh, for you to go meet her at this time, and you guys can head downstairs. I'm excited for next week as well because uh, I can tell you this much, that song Amazing Grace, we're going to kind of really talk about that, the amazing grace of God next week, that it's only by the grace of God that we see victory in our life. And I'll be doing an interview as part of the worship experience next Sunday uh, with someone who has gone through some very unique challenges, but has seen God's hand move in some great ways. And it wasn't overnight. Uh, it, took, it took a long time to walk that out, and the story's not done yet. Uh, so I'm leaving that with just that little bit of, of out there, that hook for next week. I'm not even going to tell you who I'm interviewing because I want you to come ready and excited for church next week. Will you do that? Okay, well, two people are going to be excited for church next week. I got my work cut out for me today, I can tell. So uh, have you ever had an opportunity where God is speaking to you, doing something in your life, and you're excited about it, and you're passionate about it, but it's very hard to verbalize it. You ever had that? It's, it's a challenge sometimes. And this morning is something that through, through prepping this message, and, and we usually work several weeks out in advance outlining messages, that this is something that God has been stirring in me. Uh, and I, one of the things that I've been telling God is, I'm not quite sure how to communicate what you're speaking to my heart effectively. So I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit this morning to speak through me to you with what God wants to do this morning. Is that all right? We're going to talk about the difference between being just versus being correct. And some of you might think, well, aren't those the same thing? And I don't think they necessarily are. And I think today what we see is so many people striving to be correct and not necessarily striving to live justly. And we'll get into the ins and outs of that. Let's jump into our scripture this morning. We're in Mark chapter 15. We finally made it to chapter 15 in Mark. We're going to be in verses 1 through 15 today. Very early in the morning, the chief priests, with the elders and the teachers of the law, and the whole Sanhedrin made their plans. So they bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. You have said so, Jesus replied. The chief priest accused him of many things. So again, Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer? See how many things they are accusing you of. But Jesus still made no reply, and Pilate was amazed. Now, 
It was the custom at the festival to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews, asked Pilate, knowing it was out of self-interest that the chief priests had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd and uh, stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews? Pilate asked them. Crucify him, they shouted. Why, what crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. It's never a good thing when we want to satisfy the crowd. Today, we're going to start off talking about conduct. The definition of the word conduct is this, the manner in which a person behaves, especially or on a particular occasion or in a particular context. In this passage of scripture, we have two people that we can explore a little bit about their conduct, the conduct of Jesus and the conduct of Pilate, and the things that the scripture tells us about their character. But before we get into that, let's give some historical background to what we're reading to understand the context, because we, we live in a very different culture than, than what it's taking place that we read about here uh, in this trial with Jesus. So let's look at history to give us a little insight on what we can take away for to, from, to, from this for today. As soon as their early morning meeting was over, and the verdict officially recorded, the Jewish leaders delivered Jesus to the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate. Roman governors held court in the early morning, so he was quite prepared when they brought this prisoner to him. The Jewish council had, con, uh, had, the Jewish council had to convince Pilate that Jesus was guilty of a capital crime and therefore worthy of death. We find that in the book of John. In spite of the political corruption, many Roman officials had an appreciation for justice and tried to deal fairly with prisoners. Furthermore, Pilate had no great love for the Jews and was not about to do them any favors. He knew that the Jewish leaders were not interested in seeing justice done, that they, what they really wanted was vengeance. John gives us uh, the most details of the Roman trial, and when you combine the gospel's records, you discover Pilate repeatedly stated that he found no fault in Jesus. His problem was that he lacked the courage to stand for what he believed. He wanted to, to, wanted to avoid a riot, according to Matthew chapter 27. So he was willing to appease the people. Pilate never asked himself this question, is what I'm about to do just? Instead, he asked, is it safe? And is it popular? Sometimes we do the same thing ourselves. I know it's easy for us to go, oh, that's our culture today. God's word is for us today. And we tend to do this. The council had only one capital crime that they might be able to present to Pilate. 
Jesus claimed to be the king, and he stirred up the people. They tried to pass him off as a dangerous revolutionary who was undermining the authority of Rome. As Pilate questioned Jesus, the Lord said nothing, but the chief priests kept accusing him and trying to wear down the governor's resistance. Pilate thought he could avoid making a decision altogether by sending Jesus to Herod, the ruler of Galilee. We find that in Luke chapter 23. But Herod only sent Jesus back after mocking him. Then the governor offered the people a choice, Jesus of Nazarene or Barabbas, the murderer and insurrectionist. Thinking that surely sanity would prevail and that they would ask for Jesus to be released. But the chief priest had prepared the crowd carefully and they asked for Barabbas to be set free and Jesus to be crucified. So let's look at a little bit of conduct this morning the conduct of Jesus. For the second time, Jesus finds himself in a legal trial, being accused of all sorts of things. Many of these accusations were false. Once again, we do not see Jesus defending himself. In fact, the only thing he is willing to say is an acknowledgement of who he is and nothing more. The first time he did this was when he was before the Sanhedrin, the Jewish court. And here is what he said, found in Mark chapter 14, verses 61 through 62. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? I am, said Jesus. Jesus took responsibility for who he was. Right there is a great point. If you're taking notes this morning, Jesus sets an example for us. He takes responsibility for who he is. We must be responsible for who we are. We've got to stop saying it's because of the way I was raised. We've got to stop saying it's because of my situation. It's because of the way that I'm treated. It's because of somebody else. And we, and we point the blame to everybody else. It's time for us to grow up, put our, our big boy Christian pants on, and say, I am responsible for my life. I'm responsible for my relationship with Jesus. I'm responsible to my reaction on how, what I do when, when people come to me and don't treat me correctly. I'm responsible for, for my own actions and my own responses. Jesus took responsibility. And notice what he didn't do. He didn't walk into the courtroom declaring who he was. I'm Jesus, the Lion of Judah, the Messiah. I mean, he could have. It would have been correct. It would have been just, or not justified. It would have been correct or, or right for him to be able to do that because it's who he was. But it's not what he did. He could have, but he didn't. Instead, he shows humility. Look at the account that we just read this morning out of Mark 15 too. Are you the king of the Jews? Asked Pilate. You've said so, Jesus replied. You have said so. His accusers, by, by their own accusations, were acknowledging who Jesus was. <laughs> But outside of this statement, Jesus remains silent. So why isn't Jesus defending himself? Because Jesus lets his character speak for itself. We have a few things that we see here with Jesus' conduct. He's humble. We see that character matters. 
And Jesus is not afraid to let his own character speak for itself. And three, we see submission. He was submitted to God. God is in control. God has the final say, and he submits to the Father. This is no longer in my hands, and I won't take the actions in my hands. I'm going to let God deal with the outcome. I've done what I came to do. I've done the mission God's put in my heart, and now it's time to let God do what he wants to do. Jesus would have been correct or right to defend himself, yet he did not do so. Jesus was not out to do the correct thing here, but out to do the just thing. We'll come back to that. Let's take a look really quickly at the conduct of Pilate. Verse 3 of Mark chapter 15, the chief priest accused him of many things. So again, Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer? So how many to see how many things they are accusing you of, but Jesus still made no reply, and Pilate was amazed. Why was Pilate so amazed? Probably because every person that was brought before Pilate responded in one of two ways. Just one of two. They would mount a defense and argue against the charges. That these weren't correct. That they were made up, fabricated. The second option would be this. To throw themselves at Pilate's mercy. And just plead for mercy. Yet here, Jesus does not do either of these two things, and in that process, Pilate is amazed. Jesus does not grovel at Pilate's feet, nor does he plead his innocence. He just remained silent and allowed his character to speak for itself. And Pilate was amazed by this. Amazed. Other Gospels tell us that Pilate repeatedly stated that he found no fault in Jesus. This is a guy who has, has no stakes in the game. Yet on the examination of the facts goes, I find no fault in Jesus. What an amazing statement. It's important to note that Pilate appears to have no personal vendetta with Jesus. He's indifferent in the situation. So at the end of this hearing, all the evidence, all the weight of this decision falls to one individual and one individual only, and that is Pilate himself. It's his responsibility to choose. It's his responsibility to lead. But in the moment where his leadership should have shown, he passes the buck. First, he tries to pass it to another leader. We'll let somebody else make the decision. Then it gets kicked back to him, and he has the crowd decide. Instead of asking the question, is what I'm doing just? He was more concerned by asking the question, is it safe? Is it popular? He didn't want to take responsibility. What if people don't like my choice? What if the people were the revolt? Well, what if they take it out on me? And he begins to let fear impact his decision-making. When, when it's time for us to lead, every person leads at some point in their life, in some way. 
you have to make the decision on what am I making my decisions based off of. And anytime we go to the common denominator of fear, you're making the wrong decision. We don't want to make decisions based out of fear. And that's where we find pilot making, making decisions based off of fear. Isn't it interested? He was so interested in getting all the facts, but then he does not base his decision on the facts. He bases it on fear. There's a difference between doing what is correct and doing what is just. The definition of just is this, based on or behaving according to what is morally fair or right. But when we talk about being correct, that's not often really the heart behind it. Our English language is so limited sometimes because we intermix those two things being just and being right, but they aren't necessarily the same thing. There has to be some type of moral standard to guide those decisions of what is right. And more often than not, when we talk about being correct or being right, it almost always is a personal thing and almost always a prideful thing in some cases. When, when, when we're trying to make a decision or a choice and, and we just, it, it's, it's more about pride than it is about actually doing what's just. We value so much on being correct. And maybe it's the wrong mindset for us to have. I know this is a hard thing to begin to talk about. I'm doing my best here. If I'm right, therefore I'm saying someone else is wrong. Many times when we pray and we, 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 we're in the middle of decision, or maybe conflict is a good example to use, when we're in conflict and we pray, and often what we're praying for is not a resolution to the problem. We're praying for, Lord, justify my, my, my choice. Justify my thoughts. And maybe not even justify, but validate is a better word to use. We want Jesus to validate our thought. We want Jesus to validate our opinion. We want Jesus to validate our preference. We want to be right. And we want to have that little extra to go, see, God is on my side. But when we start doing that, it starts taking us down a road far away from the gospel and the foundation of God's word. See, when we talk about Jesus justifying us, it's that we might stand before God sinless because we are justified by his sacrifice to stand before God. That's the justification that Jesus makes in our life. He does not validate our thoughts, opinions, and preferences. In fact, it's just the opposite. Because of what Jesus does, that should shape our preferences. It should shape our opinions. It should shape our thoughts. And it seems like what we try to do is we try to, we make a decision and then we try to take the word of God and make it fit the narrative. But that's incredibly dangerous. And in the midst of that, we lose the heart of God. We miss out on communicating with God. And we miss out on the opportunity to have conviction in our life and to continue transforming. 
See, the interesting thing is when we talk about Jesus validating our thoughts, opinions, and preferences, Jesus never did it once in the Bible. I can't find an example of it anywhere. There's no place where Jesus does it in his ministry. In fact, he often does exactly the opposite. He helps people to examine their hearts, their thoughts, their opinions, and their preferences. Jesus, more times than not, went to people and said, uh, you're wrong. <laughs> you got this wrong. You're, you're looking at this all wrong. You got the wrong perspective. And he challenges our hearts, our attitudes, and our mindsets to be changed and transformed. If we're going to be wrong, I'm so glad that Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit is right. And I want to strive to do what they want us to do instead of doing what we want to do. Everyone in our culture today thinks they're right, thinks they're correct. What if we all just stopped, took a breath, and said, what if we just did what was just? But to do that, we need some type of moral guidelines. We need laws. We need boundaries. And most of all, we need the Word of God, something that can be trusted, that will stand up against time, that will stand up against all the different craziness that goes on in our life, every possible situation that could ever be thrown at any individual. The Word of God will still stand up and stand firm. Therefore, if we're going to make some decisions and choices in our life, I want it to be based on the moral code found in God's word to give us direction on where we should be headed. We often live our life in this way that we think there is only one correct answer to every single situation and problem we face. But I'm going to tell you, the more I go along with Jesus, the more I find it's about direction than it is about one single choice that you make. When you went to your closet this morning and picked the clothes that you're wearing, did you pick the right clothing for today? What's right? If you wore a blue shirt instead of a green shirt, are you correct or wrong? Pastor Eric, that's silly. That has no bearing or anything. You wore clothes. That's what's important, right? right. It's a direction, right? right. I, in fact, I had clothes picked out this morning. I got them messed up before I left the house. I quickly grabbed another shirt from my, my closet, and I had to come in this morning and go, guys, I don't even know what color shirt this is. I don't know if it's green or gray. What type of jacket can I wear with this? I don't even know. I don't want this to be the one thing that defines today's annual business meeting was like, we really should get a tailor for Pastor Eric or Garanimals, maybe. We should, let's Garanimal all of Pastor Eric's clothing. I did not want that to be the issue. It's important that I wore clothes, right? I think everybody can agree with that. We're very grateful that Pastor decided to wear clothes this morning to preach. Uh, I don't think there would be nearly the turnout this morning if I decided to come without those options. <laughs> That might be true. I'll do a lot of things for the Lord, but we would have to have a long conversation about that. It's the direction, right? It's the direction. It really doesn't matter what color shirt I have on this morning. The fact that I wore clothes is a just decision. What if we started to look at things that way? 
What if we started saying God's word has given us a direction? Let's make decisions and choices that get us there. But sometimes we put so much pressure on us that there's only, there's only one possible answer. And I think God is far more creative saying, look, the only time that there's one solid answer is when I'm going, this is exactly what you're supposed to do. Noah, build a boat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, those are the kind of things, being obedient. But God gives us so much creativity. I think we put all this pressure on us. What if we just were just in our decision making? A lot can be said about a lot of different things. I will tell you this. I'm not trying to make a political statement here. But I'm very impressed with the president of Ukraine to have an opportunity to get out, to save his life, to save his family, and say, I'm staying here with my people. That's a just decision. And you know what? What if we just started saying, we're going to be just in our decision making. We're going, to, we're going to get with the word of God. We're going to listen to God's voice. We're going to allow the Holy Spirit to convict us. And we're going to make decisions that are based on God's word that are just. We get tied up with a lot of different things. I've got one last scripture to give you today, and then we're going to close. It's a dialogue that's found in Micah chapter 6. Powerful dialogue. And what's happening is uh, we're talking from an individual perspective, and they're saying, what does God require from us? What can I do? And, and it lists all these different things that we could do. To, would, would, this, would this be what God requires? Is this what God requires? And I want to pick up just on the tail end of this, of this dialogue. Found in Micah chapter 6, I'm going to read verses 6 through 8. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before and exalt God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? With the Lord, with, will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? But verse 8 explains this and answers this dialogue, this conversation. He has shown you, O mortal, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. These three things, to live justly, love mercy, and walk humbly, is this not the character, the conduct that we see Jesus illustrating when he is on trial? These are the exact characteristics that he shows. We've been talking about humility for several weeks in this series that we're in and the importance of being humble before God, to be broken before God. We now transition to talking about to live justly. And I love love mercy. What does love mercy mean? It means that grace abounds in our life. That we're not looking for perfection but we're looking to progress where God is taking us. And when we fall short, when others fall short, we will be plentiful with mercy and grace because God has been plentiful with mercy and grace in our own life. Amen. These three things are the things that really matter. This morning, maybe you came to church 
and, and, and you've been dealing with an issue with family, with a sibling, with a mom and dad, with your kids. You're trying so hard to make the correct choice, right? The correct decision, looking for one particular thing that you have to do. What if it's just taking a breath and going, it's time for me to live justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. I know that it's challenging. It's easy to say how much harder to do. But it would transform things for you. It transforms the way that you begin to look at things. As God has been challenging me with this passage and with, with just thinking through this concept of stop trying to be correct and start trying to live justly. Make just decisions instead of correct decisions. I find that, that, that there's so much more freedom. That God's saying, look, look what I'm saying to you, and then make a decision that tries to go after that. Because I'll honor that. I'll work in that. If we would just say, Lord, let these three principles be the things that I'm doing to put me in the right direction where you need me to be. If you go to your workplace and you wake up every morning and you go, I'm going to apply these principles to my life. I'm going to do my best to live justly. I'm going to do my best to love mercy. And I'm going to do my best to walk humbly with my God today. I guarantee you the favor of God will flow with you. The situations might still be difficult. There might still be things that knock the wind out of you. In fact, I'll just guarantee that. That will happen. But you will be where you need to be. And the favor of God will be resting upon you. And I'll tell you what, I'd rather have the favor of God rest upon me than have every right decision that I've ever made. Because all of that means nothing if I don't have God in my life. This morning, you need God in your life. Worship team, if you'd come back. We're going to talk about church business today in our annual business meeting. Let's do things, let's make decisions and choices that are just, that line up with the word of God. We're going to go into our workplaces this week. How are you going to treat the people that you don't get along with? Are you going to abound in grace and mercy? Or are you going to be judgmental? Are you going to go in saying, I've got to have it all figured out? Or are you going to go, you know what? I've done my best to come up with the, with the choices and decisions that I need to understand the situation, but I'm just going to be humble and I'm going to be able to listen to people that are around me. And most of all, I'm going to be humble and I'm going to listen for God's voice in my life this week to help me through the difficult things that I'm facing. This morning, God wants to help you to walk in these three areas. Church, would you stand to your feet? If you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, let me tell you, that's a just decision to make. Because you can't get out of the mess that you're in without a Savior. And Jesus came. He walked among us, walked a mile in our shoes, and then paid a price so that you could have freedom. He breaks down the barriers of religion, and most of all, he breaks down the barrier of sin. And he longs to have a relationship with you today. If you know that you need Jesus in your life, 
Would you pray along with me this morning? Lord, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I'm far from perfect. I'm broken. I got a lot of things wrong with me. But Lord, I, I, I know that I need help. So I take a leap of faith. I believe that Jesus, you are the Son of God, that you came, that you died, that you rose again, and that this morning you are calling to me to have a relationship with you. Lord, please change and transform my life. I surrender my life to you, that you might do what you want. And Lord, would you do something amazing with this life before you? If you prayed that prayer this morning, please let someone know before you leave here that you've started a relationship with Jesus. We want to come alongside you and, and, and encourage you in your growth with our Savior. For the rest of us this morning, maybe we just need a moment of surrender today. Lord, at times we have strived so hard to be correct that, Lord, we've lost out, we've, we've lost out on opportunities, on ministry opportunities, on life opportunities. Because we've let our pride get in the way. Our desire to be correct, to have the right answer, outweighed the opportunities of being able to show grace and mercy and love. Lord, we're sorry for that. Would you forgive us? And this morning, Lord, would you begin to work in our hearts a deeper work, not to just do the right thing, the correct thing, but to do the just thing that's found in the Word of God, that gives us a moral standing to be able to make decisions and choices, the Word of God that gives us direction on where to go and what to do in our life. And Lord, two things I know your Word does is, Lord, it speaks about understanding and communicating the message of the Word of God correctly. We long to do that as a church. And two is to reach people who need the Savior, to bring people in connection with you. And Lord, we long to do that in our personal life and as a body. But Lord, we need to strive to do those two things. That is a just decision. Lord, this morning we go back to that scripture. Lord, help us to live justly. Help us to love mercy. And Lord, help us to walk humbly before our God. If we all do that together, the sky is the limit for what's capable of coming out of this church and what you can do in this community and surrounding communities. It can change everything. Lord, we love you. Lord, as we close our service, may we end today worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Our worship team is about to lead us in a time of worship. Let's take these next two songs and let's just connect with our Savior before we leave. Just think on what God has spoken to us through our word. Anything that you need to change or transform in your life, now's an opportunity to communicate with God about that before we move on to business, before we leave here and go about our day to do some business in our hearts with God. I'll come back and close us in a prayer in just a moment. But Mike, would you and the worship team lead us again? Lord, I need you.
continues to play for a few moments. Lord, we just pray that you bless the offerings of your people. Again, we have a box out in the foyer, and uh, you can just drop off your tithes and offerings there. Lord, we just thank you for this time that we could gather together as your people, Lord. This is your, by your design, Lord, that we are together. You called us to a community of believers. It's called the body of Christ, the church, the family of God. Amen. Aren't you glad to be a part of God's family? Amen. Bless you as you go this day. Just really quick before I let the worship team do this, let me give just a little quick direction as we leave. This is not a typical Sunday morning. We're going to take a 10 to 15 minute break. Uh, what we would ask is if you are a member here at Hillside, you're going to attend the annual business meeting. If you would sign uh, the roster, which is on the table with the black covering right next to the stained glass, you'd sign that. In 15 minutes, we'll get started. Uh, if you are a member, if you could sit in one of these two areas, it just helps with uh, being able to, to, with the paperwork and all that kind of stuff. If you're a guest with us and you'd like to stay for the annual business meeting, if you would sit on the outside rows, uh, that would just be helpful for vote collection, those kind of things. 
your kids uh, are with Jackie currently, uh, and they can stay with Jackie, or if you want to touch base with them before, you're welcome to do that. Um, don't forget, if you want tickets to the Rippin' Firefighter Barbecue, see Ron in the foyer today, $11 per ticket. Um, it's probably your last chance to get those at church uh, before next Sunday. So are we ready to, to move on with today? Okay, well, you can stay here and lounge on the couch if you want, but are you ready to move forward? Let's do this then. Mike, you can lead us as we, we transition. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship your holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship your